Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 169 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Greg Wah. Why are we questioning this? As soon as I suddenly realised we were out of sync and that someone started the wrong bit, and that was me. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Greg Wah. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. And we're going to talk about... The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. But first, Gregoire, what happened to you this week in science? It's been an interesting week in science for space. The first year ever of the Australian Space Awards happened. This was an idea uh, from Space Connect to try and promote space. Space Awards. Roundest astral body. No, 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 no. As in Australia's... Least Euclidean orbit. No. Australia's top space industry professionals are businesses, and it's to promote the space industry in Australia because the Australian Space Agency is now a thing, been around for a couple of years, and they're trying to promote Australia as a place for space exploration and space industry because, you know, we are probably quite well situated, lots of empty space to launch things, and lots of clever people who can go to university to study this Sorry, kind of thing. I've misunderstood this. I assumed you meant rocketry and stuff, but you actually yeah, mean a space... The Space Awards, just big open planes. And we got some good ones here. <laughs> no, we no, got no. Some good space in Australia. No, it's it's the top space industry professionals. Not not as in real estate, as in <laughs> as in space, space industry. Okay. And why okay. I'm bringing it up is you can go through all the winners, all the amazing winners who've got it. But one winner that you may recognize, they won for business of the year. And that's the uh, for small to medium enterprises. That's Gilmore Space Technologies. <gasps> oh, my so, God. They've got a small to medium enterprise now? They do. Because well, before they, they, they just had a rocket that went straight up. But now they got the big disc on the front and the two they, big warp engines on the back. Wow, good right. on them. Yes. So for those who don't know, Gilmore Space Technologies are a Queensland-based organization. And they're creating launch vehicles. And that's their plan is to have Australian-built launch vehicles for small satellites. And I was very excited for them. So Gilmore Space Technologies, well done on basically being an award winner at the Australian Space Awards. And now the award for the best rocket launch from the back of a flatbed truck. God, that was the the bit that stuck with me from that interview. I love it. A mobile rocket launch system. It's genius. Yeah, yeah. real Aussie. Yes, yeah. Get a ute. Go to a paddock with some sheep. Chuck a rocket into space. It's great. (laughs) So, yeah, well done to them. I'm very excited about them. And there's lots of other people as well who've done amazing things. What about you, Dan? What's your week in science? I mowed the lawn. Oh, that's um, that's that's a thing. Now there's more. There's more. Oh, thank God. Okay, well, that's good. I mowed the lawn, but I left a patch. So you badly mowed the lawn. Yeah, I, I, I left a little patch. I le- I, but my, my lawn has a little three-by-three three square of, like, meadowland. Okay. Like natural meadowland. It's ba- I basically given the, the yard a goatee. <laughs> and why? Because I want it to be a little refuge for insects and wildlife. Right, okay. And just to see what happens, because there's going to be all sorts of weeds and different sorts of plants. And I also just chucked a handful of seeds in there, like vegetables and flowers and oh, shit. Okay, just to see what happens. Just to see what happens. So it's like my yeah. little experiment patch in the backyard. Ooh. My wife is not delighted. 
<laughs> She's like, That's I know we talked about this, but seeing it, I'm like, it's good, isn't it? And she then she went real quiet. <laughs> I, I respect your decisions in our partnership, Dan. There we go. <laughs> I respect your decisions, even the real dumb ones. <laughs> but in the last week, we've had three bush turkeys wander into the yard. And today, okay. I saw a leaf. A leaf just sort of drift down and onto my back deck. And I looked yep. closely. It wasn't a leaf at all. Ugh. It was an Australian hornet. and But usually they buzz around like nuts. Mm. But this one, it was like it was had an anchor. And it had actually grabbed a caterpillar off our lime oh. tree and oh. it was flying around with a caterpillar, a live oh. caterpillar in its jaws. And I filmed it. And I got like 40 seconds of footage, which I will post in the show notes, mm-hmm. of a little, like a bright orange Australian hornet, which is actually mm-hmm. a type of wasp. And it has a friend oh. caterpillar in its jaws and uh, it's taking it back to its nest yeah, where it's right. going to lay its larvae yeah. inside it and yeah, seal probably. it up in, a, in, in, in a, some sort of tomb. And yep. then the little tiny baby wasps will wake up and have a lovely, bountiful harvest of lo- still kicking... Yeah, caterpillar alive. Yeah, yeah. Burrow its yeah. way out, and the whole beautiful circle of life begins anew. Wasps are wasps are terrifying. Like wasps are one of those animals where you're like, good lord! Like it's it's the parasitic wasp concept. Just every time you read about it, you just get it gets worse and worse and worse. Like there's no good side to this. We love them. It's, it's do you? We encourage What's them at our place. Wasps and hornets, good lord! I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't hurt them. I wouldn't go out and spray them or kill them. I just, I just don't want them in my back, in my back garden. My rule is that if if anyone gets stung, that nest comes down. Okay, all right. As a warning to other wasps. Yeah, but if not, (laughs) then they're welcome out because they're great pollinators. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, people go on and on about bees, and they're like, "Oh, we lost all the bees. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have pollinators. Well, we'd lose a lot of the pollinators, but there are other pollinators in the world. Yeah, mosquitoes. We we shouldn't lose mosquitoes or pollinators. Mosquitoes or pollinators. I thought didn't think mosquitoes had any points in the world. I thought they were just there to vex us. Turns out mosquitoes are uh, are pollinating stuff, just like they should be. But I will still kill them. I will still look if they come into the house and bite me. Then they yep. know what they they know what they know what they can't. Well, they don't. They have no idea. But... They, 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 they don't even know they're a mosquito, Dan. Like they they don't. You know. They, yeah. they, look, they have... it's I have to be extra safe around mosquitoes for certain reasons. <laughs> That's right. You, if you get the dengue fever, you'll die. That's great. Sorry, I should laugh. I don't know why they laughed at that. That's a bit horrible. Because anyway. you're responsible. That's why you're laughing. <laughs> I was I? Oh, oh dear. You should have just lived in North Queensland like I do, and that would have got you out of it. I'm just saying, bad choices on your on your side there, Dan. Yeah. For those who don't know what we're talking about, sorry. In other bad news, have you heard of the Arecibo radio telescope? Nah, sounds dumb. <laughs> Arecibo is in Puerto Rico. So who it's wants part to of the see United... radios? Sorry? I want to see interesting stuff. I don't want to use a telescope just to look at radios. Oh my goodness! It uses radio waves, Dan. You know this. Don't, don't, don't. You just know because it, it irritates me. You do it because it irritates me, Dan. It's not working. It's not I working, Dan. I do a lot of things to, just because they irritate you. Good. So the Arecibo is a, about 305 meter telescope that was built into the ground in 1963, and it was been doing amazing science ever since. It's you've seen it in movies in uh, Jodie Foster in Contact, uh, oh, James right. Bond in Goldeneye. That's that's that telescope. It's, it's in quite a jungle. Amazing. 
in a jungle. Arecibo is the name of the jungle. Yeah. In 1974, it was the first radio telescope where they sent an uh, interstellar radio message out into space. Going, hey, aliens, we, here we are, and here's what we look like, and here's how you find us. Here's and our vulnerabilities. Here's our, yes, here's our glowing very, red spots on our heels and neck. We have very weak knees. Come on down. <laughs> Maybe bring some knee pads for us. We have really weak knees. And these are these, this is the amount of protein and uh, energy stored within our bodies. <laughs> We're very fat laden and quite tasty, supposedly. Come on down. Anyway, uh, we haven't heard anything back from that, of course. And it was also where the first extra solar planet was discovered in 1992. So it was the now we found 4,000 of the damn things, but it was the first one. And it's done a lot of pioneering work with near Earth asteroids. And so finding these things whizzing around and working out their trajectories, whether they're not going to hit the Earth or not, which they're not. So that's great. But (laughs) there are pros and cons. But in August, unfortunately, one of its cables snapped. Now, what what I mean by that, you've got a big dish, but then you've got the receiver at the top, a 900-ton receiver, and it's held up by cables. They can move the receiver around to to almost point the telescope in different places because it's stuck in the ground. You can't. You can't pivot the, uh, you can't slew it in position. So you can move oh, the receiver oh, hang on, around. Hang on. So the dish is static. Yes. It's stuck in the ground. Right. Right. Not yes. like the ones that we see in that sort of track the satellites. No, no. You look at like the Parkes radio telescope. Yeah. That's the one, the one on the east coast of Australia. That's about 70 meters and that can, that sits on a plinth and it can be moved around. But you get too big, you get material science issues oh, so and you, so there's big cables and they move the receiver, but because it's yes. a parabolic dish, yes, the, it's all gonna it's gonna bounce. Wait, how does that even work? Wouldn't it? Different focal, different focal. You're not using the whole dish though. You're not getting all the light from the dish. You use oh. certain areas of the dish, and you use the receiver to pick up the the radio light from those parts of the dish. So it's it's a focal point basically. Yeah, so it's not going to be a parabolic dish. That, yeah, but it's a spherical dish, I do believe. Like the well, I know the new. The new one in China, the 500-meter one, is fast, and that stands for 500-meter aperture spherical telescope. That's definitely spherical, and I don't know if Arecibo is – hang on. Let me just very quickly check that. Because then wherever you put the receiver, there's going to be a a point which – of the dish, which is sort of focusing rays, yes. but it's not going to be the whole thing. You're absolutely right there, Dan. Of course, it's a spherical reflector, not a parabolic reflector. Yes. Because if it was parabolic, you couldn't move the receiver because there's only it would one be point. There's only one focal point. You, That's the he point. Knows, he knows his parabolas, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that. Look at Dan and his parabolas. That's a I'm all about the curves. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Well done, Dan. I like that. That's very cool. But the problem is that in August, one of the cables snapped. These cables weigh tons. And it crashed down to the very light dish below and gashed a 30 meter hole on the side of it and and everyone was like oh no because these things aren't funded properly and and it's not considered important and who's going to pay for it and puerto rico hasn't got the money and the, and the federal american government's like nah and a university's going to pay for it who knows and they didn't know what to do they're like oh we, we'll work this out we'll work something out and then unfortunately very recently another cable snapped and crashed to the ground and smashed it up again the big problem now is it's now unsafe to climb on the 900-ton receiver that's been held up by less cables than it should be, and the whole thing's going to come down. That's what they're really worried about. And so the whole thing's being decommissioned. It's going to be shut down. So this amazing telescope that was doing great science to this day is going to be decommissioned and safely dismantled. Well, I mean, likely what's going to happen is in the next couple of months, a cable will break and the 900-ton receiver will crash to the forest floor and smash everything into pieces. But... We will see. It's very sad. It's a very, very sad day. Uh, people I work with work with the Arecibo, and they're very sad. 
as I said before, there are better telescopes. Fast is a better telescope in China, more modern. It's only a couple of years old. But people have book Arecibo well in advance to use it. And now they're like, well, sorry, it's broken. And what are you going to do? Like you have to, you can't, it's very hard to get work somewhere else or get um, time on another telescope. Mm. So anyway, we're losing Arecibo, which is very sad for, for astronomers and people who like astronomy. And I think they should, in the next James Bond movie, they should have James Bond should race out there and, and blow it up. They should just integrate the, like the Arecibo footage with him blowing it up in a cool way. Might as well use it. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. they do they still use live action in James Bond these days, or is it all CGI? We'd have to go to Raven Bond to talk to them about that, the uh, uh, Stu and Natalie. But I think the answer is they did it once with Die Another Day, and then after that, they, everyone realized how bad that was, and they've gone back to throwing human beings through the air. Or they're just getting better at doing it. Yeah, but, because they were not. They didn't start very well. No, they didn't. No, no. But anyway, that's so very sad to lose Arecibo. So everyone say goodbye to Arecibo. It's an amazing bit of technology, and it won't be with us anymore. Good curves. What a dish. We've talked about flamingo milk. We've talked about cockroach milk. We've talked about the sticky underwater gel that is mermaid milk. <laughs> Today, I'm going to talk about the most disgusting milk of all cow's milk. Ugh. Ugh. I yeah, love milk. No. Greg, uh, milk goes off. It goes right off. Mm. And this is where the problem is. Milk goes off. It spoils. Now, milk begins its life completely sterile. Just like urine is sterile. You can drink it. Now, why don't you drink urine, Greg? Uh, because it tastes bad. No, it's because it's not sanitary. Oh, okay. It's not sanitary because when it comes out, it immediately comes in contact with the penis. Mm. Or as I like to refer to it, the gentleman's udder. <laughs> Unlike my penis, which is shrink-wrapped for hygiene purposes, yours is potentially riddled with bacteria. The sterile liquid comes out of the bladder and it picks up any bacteria on the way through and lands in the collection receptacle. It's then potentially left open to the air where it can pick up even more bacteria. Mm, mm. Also, you could have a bladder infection, in which case your urine would not be sterile and you'd also need to go and see a doctor. Mm, yep. Now, Good. Thank you. cows have a similar, similar issue. No pun intended. They can get mastitis. It's impossible to get rid of all mastitis, but by keeping things clean, carefully monitoring the udder for redness and checking the milk for small lumps of pus, you can generally keep the milk fairly clean. Oh, lordy. It's, it's, it's impressive, isn't it? I, I don't I, I don't even like... This I milk like is milk. almost completely pus-free, Greg. Have oh, nice they drink. should put that on the, on the bottle. Now almost pus-free. 99.8% not pus. They talk about they talk about we've taken out the what have they took they're not the collagen they take something out which means nothing yeah they go, oh, I think it starts with an L yeah 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 Leaf who cares it, it, it's a joke and it, it, it's one of those things just to make people scared so it means it's nothing. a nonsense thing it's a nonsense thing it's a selling point but I would really like them to take out the pus I mean they they mostly do is well, what, what I'm saying that's what I'm for, saying all, there's almost no pus in there. Yeah, you almost, but, but then you pasteurize it, you heat the heck out of it and kill everything. That's that's the whole point. Please, past, do not drink raw. If, you, oh, if you're if you a raw milk drinker, we have words. Oh, well, I, I'm looking forward to the next. All no, right. No, no, raw, bloody okay. raw milk. Bloody raw milk drinkers. Just no, stop it. 
Oh, well, we'll see about that. We'll uh-huh. see about that. Uh-huh. Bring it. Now, I could drink this milk. I could drink it there and then, straight out of the cow. I'd have no ill effects. Good. Well, like raw milk. Maybe mentally. Maybe, maybe I would have ill like effects. Like, if, if I get rid of all the pus, if I get rid of 99.8% of the pus, and I could drink it there and then, any bacteria that I pick up is just going to be the tiniest hint of bacteria. It's not going to be spoiled. It's going to no, be fair fresh enough. milk. It I know. was just, it was just sterile, I know, Greg. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But I saw a long time ago a comedian by the name of Tom Green, and he drank directly from the cow's udder. Yes. And there was a lot of damage done to my mental health. The gentle, And the state. Because yeah, it looks a bit like a gentleman's udder. I, oh, I didn't. Oh, actually, no, I didn't make that connection. It wasn't. Oh, no, it wasn't yeah. the. Wasn't the. No, no, no. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I wasn't thinking about a blowjob problem. No, okay. no, no, no. It's, it's literally you're just drinking from an animal's udder directly, and it made me sad. You're up for a cow job. <laughs> but I could drink. I could drink this milk straight out of the udder. I would have no ill effects, no physical mm. ill effects. You might. I might give you ill effects, but it's not yep. going to happen to me. But that milk. My, oh, can I? Before you go on, I, my, yeah. my auntie used to run a dairy, so I have problems with this. Uh, <laughs> so I, I remember being a child and, and staying with her, and she would bring up the milk that she would, I would have just squeezed. So, milk. so hang on. So this is a corner store. No, 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 no. A corner no, store no. in New Zealand. No, no, not a corner store in New Zealand. No, an actual dairy, like oh, where she, an actual dairy, she, an Australian she, she had, dairy, Australian dairy. She had yes, not New Zealand from the last podcast. That confused me very badly because uh, I, I, I didn't confuse me. I knew exactly what was going on, and I was like, "Oh, he's just falling deeper and <laughs> deeper down a, a well of confusion." I was being polite, and tr- mainly, you know, like I can't. I, I'm too confused now. To, I have to say something. Yeah, there I've, are like I three up. dairies next to my house. Yes, Greg's but, like that's a lot of cows. That's a lot of cows. Do you live in the country? <laughs> and the fact that she lived in Wellington. Anyway, by the hill there. But my auntie had actual cows. She had a herd of cows and she was a, a dairy dairy. And she would milk the cows in the morning and then bring it up. It was warm. Yeah, it just maybe, came out of a cow, Greg. It, I, I understand it's, that. It's body temperature. Process. It's it cow temperature. Make, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. A, I've never been a big milk drinker. And then her to go, hey, it's fine. Oh, and then don't worry, it'll have some. It'll have some lumps in it, but that's okay. That's just that's just like, like a mat. Like I was like, oh, every part of this is. I don't want warm milk, and I don't want chunky warm milk. No, no, no. Well, maybe I can change your mind. Uh, look, look, I'm very open to being changed. Go, go for it, Dan. Okay, please. so that lovely cow's milk straight out of the udder that is safe for us to drink. Mm-hmm. It has to make it to the kitchen table and that mm. takes time mm. so how do we extend the life of our milk greg heat it heat it pasteurize it pasteurization great answer mr Wah. thank you louis pasteur invented a method of killing off the bulk of bacteria in raw milk you heat and the it pus to... kill the pus to so get rid of the pus i mean pusses pusses pass in a perfect world you don't want that much in there mm. like so you 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 just you you eyeball it and make sure it's yeah. not getting in there. Okay. You keep the cow clean. You wash its udder off before you get anything out of that. You make it nice and clean. If your partner is going to give you a special birthday treat downstairs, then you have what? a shower first. You wash this stuff off. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't link these things in my head. God damn it, Dan. You're ruining. You're ruining Milk. Well, I've read it. That's right. And you've already you managed to link something I hate, milk, with something. Oh, god damn it, Dan! 
So, <sighs> so you're like, you're, you're disgusted because I've linked milk with blowjobs and I've ruined blowjobs for you. Yes. All right. All right. Okay. So the milk, you heat it up to 60 degrees Celsius. Now that probably doesn't mean anything to our American listeners. Um, how can I explain this in a way that'll make sense to you? Oh, um, imagine you had some frozen water and that had just started melting. Well, 50% of its way to boiling would be 50 degrees Celsius and an extra 10% of that would be 60 degrees Celsius. So the milk stays at 60 (laughs) degrees between freezing and boiling for around 20 minutes or 33 degrees of an hour. (laughs) Okay, this kills most of the bacteria, Greg. Mm -hmm. About one in eight million survive. And that milk can last around two weeks before it spoils. It spoils because the bacteria that remain finally get a foothold and eventually take over. The milk smells and tastes gross and sometimes develops lumps. Can I stop you there? Yeah. Milk always smells and tastes gross. It smells and tastes grosser. Thank you. Agree to disagree. The streptococci (laughs) feast on the lactose and turn it into lactic acid. This increases the pH. Then it's too acidic for the streptococci and the lactobacilli takes over, eating the rest of the lactose and turning that into lactic acid. This makes it taste sour and makes the proteins clump together. Mm. You can drink it at this point without poisoning yourself, but it's not going to taste very good. Mm. Now, the mil- milk. Got it. Understand. The milk is acidic enough that yeasts and moulds can then take over. This is where the real problem occurs, because (laughs) those guys make toxins, and those will give you food poisoning. So what happens if you don't pasteurise your milk, Greg? This, as you have so eloquently pointed out, is called raw milk. Mm. And there's much more danger of it containing too much bacteria. It -hmm. needs to be collected under super hygienic conditions, and it is described by its fans as live milk. Like that's some sort of selling point. (laughs) I love my food to be wriggling. (laughs) It's not as bad as that, as long as you understand that it's going to go off faster. Mm. But it doesn't go off like pasteurized milk does. Pasteurization kills some bacteria more effectively than it kills others. Raw milk allows all sorts of bacteria to breed, and some of that bacteria is good for you. It's probiotic. Some turns it into yogurt or is important to the production of sour cream or cheese. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's fine. But well, it comes down to raw milk. You're allowing the war to continue in your milk. Yes. Because, because the, both sides will be fighting each yes. other. Right. Fighting to a stalemate. Great. Right. Yeah. Now, sure. your raw milk will go sour within a week, but you can still safely cook with it. I use the word safely very loosely. Mm-hmm. Okay, raw milk after two weeks will have a very different bacterial makeup to pasteurized milk, as opposed to raw urine and pasteurized urine, which will be very similar after two Mm. weeks. Mm -hmm. This is information that is on the internet. Mm -hmm. I I had to do a search for pasteurized urine, and there were the results, and I felt a little bit sad. (laughs) Look. I have no judgment to that because the internet is just a receptacle of knowledge and that is knowledge, or at least information. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely not wisdom. Not wisdom. <laughs> not wisdom. No. Okay, you need to be careful drinking old milk. You need to be very careful drinking old raw milk. Also, maybe avoid it if you've got a compromised immune system or a baby or a child or an elderly or a pregnant woman. 
But other than that, it's fine. Yay for middle-aged white dudes. We yeah. can just drink and raw milk, drink and raw milk. <laughs> okay, ah. so how else could we make our milk last longer? We could cold press it. An Australian company called Made by Cow has invented a process that kills the bacteria without cooking it. Instead, you put the milk under pressure. Most mm. bacteria die at 60,000 pounds per square inch. These guys double that. So would I. And end up, well, yeah. I mean, exactly. The, that, that is the. Also, sorry, pounds per square pounds inch. Pounds per square inch. What's that That's, mean? Um, you just pound it. You just hit it so many times. You hit it sixty thousand times, and you just really pound it. Right. We just. I just don't think we should be mentioning pounds per square inch. There, that's the. It's still the standard. I'm Is sure it? there's some stupid thing out there, but you know what? I still say BC instead of what is it? B A C D A A B C D. The whatever you B B C D. A D and B C E. Yes, but that's, yeah. but that's not a that's not a that's it's. Okay, it's it's just so you know, it's four by ten to the eight pascals. There we go. Thank you oh, very much. Well, how, how, so much easier. So much easier. Or four thousand and eighty-two standard atmospheres of pressure. There you go. Oh, that's actually that, much better. That's actually that, pretty that's good. Such yeah, such a you, good you, one. So that's actually so. So yeah, there you go. Four, that gives you that actually gives me an idea of. Oh, okay, right. We have one standard at, at sea level. It's four thousand. Okay, right. That's a lot of pressure. That's, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Kills you, kills me, kills mm-hmm. most bacteria. Yeah. Now, why why would they want to do that instead of just heating it to sixty degrees? Because I'm going to guess it kills all the bacteria equally, so you're not just killing the probiotics. You're no, killing no oh. he- heating it kills pretty much everything. Oh. Um, then no. But no, in this case, heating milk for that long changes. Oh, the I know. Taste I know. Because once you te- once you do that. When, then once you've done it, you can store it in a much smaller space, so it, it takes less warehouse space. That's it, not how fluids work. You comp- <laughs> they're basically incompressible. I know. It's fine. But milk's not. The liquid. reason that they do it is that it changes the taste and texture. And people who love and swear by raw milk can now enjoy that taste of the proper way milk is supposed to taste, mm. but get rid of the danger of it mm. being alive in their mouth. Mm. 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 Mm, good. I'm happy for their choices. I'm happy they have a choice. The thing is, it reduces vitamins B12 and E and increases vitamin A to heat it. Oh, okay. So there it changes go. the nutritional makeup of it. Yeah. But good. say that you wanted your milk to last longer. Now you're looking at UHT milk, ultra high oh, temperature. I used to drink that as a kid as well. We travelled around the country a lot. We didn't have refrigeration in our caravan, so it was UHT. UHT is awful. Well, it's... that's what I thought when I was a kid too. And now I get like the light stuff, and it's great. I, I okay. can't taste the difference between the the, oh. the, the, the sorry the skim UHT milk and the yep. light refrigerator milk. It's interesting. Is that's because light milk is basically lying water? So it's sort of it's 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 not there's not much milk in it. It's just water that someone's put a dash of milk in. That's kind of like a very weak tea. That's skim milk, which is oh, uh, skim milk. Water. What's, what's light, light milk? Light milk. It's, it's just it's the it's between skim milk and whole milk. Oh, okay. Like it doesn't have but, that thick, fatty, weighty feel, oh, taste to it. Oh god! Oh, I can't! I can't! I just it's all I can't. My body's having I, no milk is just the worst. Ugh. Well, you will find UHT milk stored in Tetra packs in your supermarket. They will last six to nine months unopened on the shelf. You heat the milk up to 135 degrees for five seconds. This kills 
everything. And the, and the packaging prevents anything getting into it. And I'm just going to point out here, if they just raise that temperature a little bit more, it would incinerate the milk and the whole problem goes away. Well, we'll get to that, won't we? Yes! Europeans love this stuff, but Americans and Australians aren't really into it. The process can create Maillard browning that alters the taste and smell, making it sweeter again than it already yeah. is. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's what it is. Yeah. So let's take a look at evaporated milk. This comes in a can. They heat the milk until a lot of the water evaporates. 60% of the water is removed, leaving a thicker, creamier milk. Mm. They then can it and heat sterilize it, very similar to the UHT process. Okay. You can then open the can and use that milk for a creamier cooking ingredient or add some water to reconstitute it. Uh, okay. All right. I've never done that before, but I've used it in cooking, but I've never used it as as a drinking thing. Yeah. I would have, wouldn't even have thought about it. Yeah, but, so, it, but it's much smaller. So mm. if you need to take milk to another country, that's mm-hmm. a really great way of doing it. Mm. Now, if you add sugar to your evaporated milk, you get condensed milk. Ah! I started to ask about that. Yeah, condensed milk. That's it. Yeah. This is thicker and much, much sweeter. The sugars inhibit bacterial growth, meaning processing it is easier. You can add it to your tea or coffee if you like it sweeter, and it is a very popular milk product in Asia for this very reason. Okay. Interesting. Now, all of these milks are fine to taste. I'm here to talk about the worst milk of all. Yay! Which one's that? Powdered milk. Oh, oh, lordy, yes. Pasteurise your milk, evaporate it, then pressurise it and spray it as a fine mist through an oven. (laughs) The tiny droplets of thick milk dry out in an instant, turning into a grain of totally dry milk. This reduces the size of the product, meaning you can transport it cheaply to the other side of the world or Mm -hmm. go camping with it. Mm -hmm. You take one third of a cup of powder and a cup of water and you end up with reconstituted milk. Mm, mm, the, pr- the process changes the nutritional content substantially and sometimes requires various nutrient and vitamins to be added later. The best by date on powdered milk is 18 months. A okay. year and a half. Okay. After that point, the nutritional value can slowly decrease, but it's still safe to consume for 10 years. Wow. Some survival stores provide powdered milk with a 25-year shelf life. (laughs) Now, a dairy cow can have a calf at two years of age, meaning that you could milk a cow and conceivably feed its milk to its great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter. Also, for some reason, this is the form of milk that everyone's grandparents had when they were children, and it tastes like ass. <laughs> that is the story of the worst milk ever. I look well done. I, I I agree. Actually, I do totally agree. You know the kind of milk I like. I'm going to go Human old school. Kindness. Oh, that's oh, that's lovely. And no, and yeah. <laughs> what they do is they get human kindness and they crush it and yes. then they roll yeah. it and then they, they crush it. They find a nice again. person and they just keep keep heating them and heating them and heating them until the milk just drips out of them. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, that's how you do it. That's how that's how the aliens we contact with Arecibo will yeah. <laughs> will use us. <laughs> ah, it's human milk and kindness. No, the one I like, I'm going to go old school, super, super old school. I'm going to go back to when our ancestors were starting to work out how to you know, make food and things like that. And one of the things they did, because milk, 
milking was quite difficult and they would have to keep it in bags. And supposedly one of the things they'd keep it in was, was um, stomachs because a stomach is a, a basically an animal bag. An yeah. animal is made for you. Yeah, nature's and, bag. Nature's bags. And so they put the milk in there and they discovered something really interesting because the milk would be murderous in a very short period of time. And they, but they found these lumps in it because of the rennet inside that stomach mm. and the rennet would turn it into this lumpy curdy stuff which we would kind of call cheese but you probably wouldn't call it cheese but it, it, it was lumps and they would dry it no out no way that's very good uh, and you. they and so these lumps basically they would they would dry out the lumps and eat them and that's i'm all for that sort of milk lump milk that is being turned into basically a type of cheese please do more of that you all right cheese is great Cheese is amazing. Oh, cheese is the best. Milk is garbage. Yogurt is garbage. Yogo and all those y- garbage. Let me just write this down. Let me write uh, just uh, <laughs> Greg bigoted towards fluid. Cool. Got it. <laughs> yes, I, I'm a solids kind of guy. If you want to give me milk, then put it in a block and I can then store it safely as cheese. Sometimes UHT milk has a problem like maybe it's been stored too hot somewhere along the process and when you open it up it slides out and it's just a big white briquette no no you'd love that no it's almost solid what's hilarious for me is i don't didn't like milk as a child particularly and it would make me feel bad as i've got older become more lactose intolerant and now i've become very lactose intolerant so my my hatred as a child for milk has become a medical condition <laughs> so i'm like balls to milk yeah milk's garbage I'm fascinated that human babies are made to drink cow milk. It's such a weird – I think it's weird. I'm, I have nothing against breastfeeding. That's all fine. But then to go, hey, we should give our children's milk. I'm like, but it comes from a cow. It was built for the cow. You are not a cow. I just – why are you drinking – Yeah, because <sighs> it's so filled with goodness. Is it? so filled with energy. It's so energy dense. But we but – we, It's um, amazing. And, but we don't – but it is energy dense. That's true. But also – a lot of the stuff was put forward, you know, on the, the food pyramid. Like, oh, we have to get lots of dairy. That food pyramid was paid for groups like the Dairy Council. Oh, yeah, yeah. That to food sell pyramid's got some, uh, got some it's ethical not, issues. It, and that's right. So you don't just kind of drink all this milk. Your kids will be healthier. I'm not I'm not saying you shouldn't give your kids milk. I'm just saying you probably don't need to drink as much milk as, as you as Yeah, you're those, those ads came out when the dairy industry had a surplus. Yes, like, yes, kids need to have seven pieces of dairy a day, or they're going to have rickets. Yeah. It's like I better fill them up with dairy then. It's cute. And that, that, I think I probably grew up in that period of time, so it's like, but I have no rickets, so you know, touch wood. There's, there's that. Ooh. That's that's the noise my rickety legs make. <laughs> <laughs> Snap, crackle. Oh God. Anyway, thank you for the milk story. That was lovely, and I hated it. So a person is smart. Thank People. you. That's very kind. It's very nice of you. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Yeah, this I do. Is, I do. This, this has been the conceit from the beginning of the podcast is I like people face-to-face, but I don't trust crowds. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I hate people, but humankind is amazing. Look yeah, at the great. achievements that they make. <laughs> Sounds like this... somebody's turned a corner. <laughs> the This was said by in the movie uh, Men in Black by Agent K when he's trying to 
explain why the men in black have to stay secret. We have to keep all the secret information away from people, about aliens and space and things. And just, that's his justification for it. And everyone nods. And when you go see a video of this and go on YouTube and look up that quote, you get lots of people who go, yes, yes, the, he's absolutely right. And you're very correct, Agent K. And look at the world around us now. And Agent, oh, my goodness, he's so correct. How clever. What a clever movie. 2020, what a clever, how clever, 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 clever. And it's wrong. It's totally and utterly. Oh, here we go. Utterly Utterly oh, wrong. Here we go. It's all about the how great Hugh. Oh, go on, go on then. So, no, the, and you see it in movies. The Men in Black. Soapbox you is yours. Yep. <laughs> Human you lover. See it in nearly every disaster movie, a disaster movie happens, and everyone acts like total morons, and they run around and they all die horrifically. Even in Titanic, there's a scene where the commanding officer, or one of the lieutenants, takes a gun and he shoots into the crowd, and and then ah, everyone's screaming, and then he puts the gun to his head and blows his brains out and falls off the edge of the Titanic. And it's all, and that was, that turned out not to be true. That never actually happened in the real world, which we'll get to later on the entire premise of the tv show the walking dead is based on this idea yes brain-eating zombies are bad but you know what the real problem is the real monster uh, the, the real monster yes vampires that yes those guys i, I haven't watched the season that new season so please no spoilers <laughs> but the, the, the <laughs> mummy season was very confusing <laughs> zombies versus mummies that'd be amazing yes but in walking dead the problem is human beings because everyone's going to turn into cannibalistic murderers who come to your house and drink all your breast milk and and then chop you up into marrow pieces or something this this is yet another version of the food pyramid that i'm not familiar with (laughs) i have a big problem with this and recently because of the world and what's been going on i've been getting a little bit down on humanity down with humanity and so i decided to start looking all this up and work out if this is actually true and what it comes down to is it's a thing called elite panic and the idea is that when people in power have to deal with a situation they immediately assume and i'm assuming many of our listeners are assuming because i did and you did and most people do that what agent k is right we have to keep everyone in the dark and feed them bullshit because they will go ape shit if they work out what's actually happening in the world so people in power have a habit of lying or not giving us the information. And this is not yeah. a rant about government, though it's a little yeah. bit of a rant Venus about government. Venus being reflected off a, off a weather balloon through marsh gas. Yeah, much easier to understand. It makes us all calm down. They like to think that we, are, uh, we will run to panic and because uh, people are terrified as if they are herds of cattle at any moment ready to stampede. This is the idea that civilization is just barely holding it together. And if it wasn't for the boys in blue walking around with truncheons and guns and things, I would right now go to my next door neighbor and I would eat their goddamn face. You can't milk a stampeding cow, Greg. It's, 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 we, it's very difficult. It's very true. Now, when we actually look through history, what we discover, it's very easy to discover this is basically not true and has never been true. What? For example, the London Blitz. The London Blitz, the Germans were coming to bomb London back into paste. And the British people did not go, I'm going to eat your face. They went, let's all pull together and actually, you know, work together and save each other's lives. They kept and calm and they carried on. They did. And people go, well, that's it's, it's rare. And you go, well, that's cool. Hurricane Katrina. There's all these stories about rape gangs and murder squads. All this weird information that came out it was all lies or misinformation of some sort 
people were banding together, getting in their boats and that uh, with the flooding and going and finding people and saving them and getting food and water out of shops to feed people like they were doing. In earthquakes, people band together and drag people out of the rubble well before people from the government can send first responders. When the first responders get there, they're already in first responders. That's average people helping each other, not just family members, but people all yeah, over the place. Yeah, but you're forgetting about the Black Lives Matter protesters who, under the guise of trying to have some sort of racial equality, every hmm. single one of those people is a looter, Greg. Mm, that's, mm, what and a writer. Saw, that's what I yes. saw on the, on the... We will get to that. All right. Uh, okay. And so the Australian bushfires... I hope Australia... I'm wrong. I hope that's how <laughs> this shakes out. So the Australian bushfires... <laughs> Half of Australia burns down and people don't murder each other or go crazy. In fact, they get $5 million together and, and, and more than that. That was just one GoFundMe campaign. Mm. And the American bushfires, the same thing. I'm trying to point out it's not just historical. It's, it's all the time. People band together all the time and come together and stop trying to murder each other. They work together and help each other without the idea of payment or any kind of reward. They just go in and help other human beings. And the thing that people always say, ah, oh, but not, that's family. No, no, not family. Just other human beings. We are very, very big on, on helping each other. Not like so let's, chimpanzees. We're the good oh. primates. Chimpanzees, are, they're, they're monstrous. They do like to war, but they also help each other, but not, yeah, look. Not properly. Only in little a, tiny groups. No, nah, we help everyone. We're, the, we're well, the best primate in the world. <laughs> so let's talk about, because once again, I'm sure our listeners are like, Greg's on some sort of drug because the world <laughs> waving hands outside the window. Let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about what's happening in the world right now. There's a pandemic going on in the world. And in Is Australia, it a pandemic of love? Uh, no. I'm, I'm going to close some windows real quick then. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw people in Australia and America and around the world and lots of – mainly lots of Western countries. I didn't see it a lot in Asia. So people – hoarding toilet paper like going in there and grabbing all the toilet paper and people were angry and yelling and screaming at each other about toilet paper it's really weird it was, toilet paper was the thing and it's not always toilet paper for some reason with corona and so people are like oh look that points that people are selfish animals and you go well yeah it does seem pretty selfish doesn't it people would go in and get you know, buy too many cans of food or get too much stuff so why is that that's there's the idea why why did people behave like that? Is it because we're panicky, stupid, dumb animals? Everyone was shitting themselves, so it's natural to go, well, toilet paper. Yeah, it's true. And we were panicking. There was fear. Now, why was there fear? Because the people in power, they start to panic and they go, oh, my God, if this information gets out that we don't know what's going on, everyone's going to freak out and murder each other so we won't say anything. And misinformation gets brought out. Even, I don't even mean that they do it on purpose. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. It's if they don't have information. Instead of saying, we don't know, we're looking into it, what they say is, everything's fine, keep consuming as large as you can. Quickly, race, just go and consume, 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 everything's fine. And it leads to fear and uncertainty because one day they're saying one thing and the next day they're saying something else. And you can't trust that they've given you actually any information. This is something called FUD. Have you heard of FUD before? Yeah. Uh, 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 f fear and Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Yes. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And this is a advertising campaign that's been used a lot in the 20th century, openly used, by the way. It's not conspiracy. And it's to make sure that people, if you say, 
well, if you don't get the new Angela Dolly for your son this Christmas, he's going to miss out and get punched in the playground. And you're like, oh, God, I better go get the new Angela Dolly for my son. Halitosis. And, yes, halitosis. Halitosis is not a real condition, not a real not, thing. And, just and mouth, mouthwash Someone made sales. mouthwash and didn't know what to do with it. They didn't call it mouthwash. They made a chemical and went, well, what's it for? It's an antiseptic. It doesn't work. Uh, okay, we'll put it in our mouths. Fear, uncertainty, doubt. Put it in your mouth, you smelly bastard. Hmm. Even, I mean, here's a, getting sideways, even things like flossing your teeth, some dentists now are like, mm, mm, that's a whole different thing. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's not, yeah. Don't, uh, don't, do your own research, listeners. Yes, do your like, own research. Because a lot of yep. people are just going, well, that justifies my decision <laughs> yeah, not to. Uh... Definitely clean your teeth, you filthy animals, but anyway. You, you have to thing. clean your teeth because, you know what, because we killed all the good bacteria that were in there keeping us safe, yep. and now it's just a friggin' mess. People respond badly when they're under fear or uncertainty and doubt. And you can combat fear by getting rid of uncertainty. But if your government and the people in power don't give you details and information, you will respond with fear. And that is understandable. And I understand it. It's not because people are panicky, dumb animals. It's because we're not given the information we require to make rational, bloody choices. But that's Hello. not the case in this situation. All the governments of the world have been extremely good at uh, communicating. I can't. I can't no, help that. Don't. That's... Don't even. Uh, <laughs> and the problem is people give conflicting messages, even when you're not. So, I mean, I, I, I don't want to point at America particularly, but there's conflicting. It becomes ideological, and that's all FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. That's, that's, I don't want to go there particularly. But in Australia, where it was mainly misinformation, what we, what we had was, hey, look at China. Ah, oh, but they're full of people who are, you have wet markets and and you know they live in filthy conditions they're all dirty and therefore they got the disease and you're like no they're they're a world bloody superpower like stop this weird idea of the dirty chinese and they're like and then it got to italy and everyone was like oh god italy got it but don't worry it's just italians they don't wash they're a bit dirty they're like they're they're europeans but they're they're good europeans and then they're kind of they're they're a bit south aren't they yeah, yeah, that's south yeah, of Europe. That's it. And nothing from the south is any good. Hello from Australia, and <laughs> and so we and our government kept saying everything's fine, everything's fine. Instead of saying, "Hey, maybe just take some precautions, be cool, but understand the bloody risk here," we weren't given that, and it frustrates me because then we come back to then they run, they they pull down on. Well, you behaved badly, so now we have to behave, treat you badly. No, we behaved badly because we weren't given the information. We were treated like we we're going to behave badly. It's a self bloody fulfilling prophecy. You can tell I'm annoyed. Uh, <laughs> so FUD occurs naturally in times of uncertainty as people in power don't give information, but it also can be weaponized to create fear, uncertainty as a political campaign to demonize the other side, or by advertising to sell products. So thank you for coming to my rant. People are not intrinsically panicky animals. We want to do the best thing, but when we're given the information. So keep looking for information. It's really important to keep looking for actual information. Try to find multiple sources for information, and that can be hard. And don't freak out when you try to understand the fear you feel is natural and acceptable, but don't rely on it to survive. You're not being hunted by a leopard. You are dealing with a global pandemic. So what you're saying is that the people who make it really easy for people to become knowledgeable are like the, the greatest heroes of all. We are oh, they, sorry, they, they, they are truly modern day Prometheuses and bringing fire to the humanity and 
if I have to give up my liver every day to a large bird, I mean, if they have to give up their liver every day to a large bird, they would accept that because they are stoic heroes. And if you'd like to support the podcast, there are <laughs> various Patreon levels. <laughs> One last thing. One of our issues for panicking is we're not given the right information. And this can be seen, especially with Corona, with people not understanding it's a bad disease. And we're not shown it because it doesn't sell on the news. So you don't see people in hospital dying from this disease. And there are people now in America who are dying from it, yelling how they don't have corona because it's not a real thing. And it's really sad. And there are, there are terrible stories I read this week about nurses saying, I, I, people are dying on my watch who I have to intubate, put the tube down their neck, who the last thing they ever say in this world is corona is not real. You're, why are you lying to me about this disease? And it's heartbreaking to me. We have to show these people. And people kind of go, no, you can't show people in hospitals. I'm not saying to mock them. You have to show the disease. How often have you actually seen someone with COVID in a hospital? Because people go, oh, it's panicky. It'll cause panic. No, no. Show that it's a real disease and that it's, it's got real world consequences. And then you maybe have people who go, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want a, a tube down my neck and then die. 3%. 3%. Let's be honest. It's, you know, it just be honest in your information and assume people will behave like real people and adults and stop assuming they'll behave like panicky animals or children. That's the ignorance part of our podcast. <laughs> That's great advice. Sorry, I brought the tone down there, didn't I? No, no, no. You, you lifted it up on <laughs> angels' wings. I will say, doing this research made me feel better about people again because I was in a real dark place with humanity for a while. <laughs> Not me, though. I'm like, I, was, I, I, I maintained being the shining jewel of your life, surely. So absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> but yes, I, but this helped me out. So I'll put all the show notes. If you're like, great speaking crap, there are show notes and you can go read up on the stuff yourself. And if you think that Greg is still speaking crap, you might be right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the walk of shame. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even going to put a sting between those. It was okay, such no. a beautiful through line. <laughs> In the walk of shame, you, the listener, listen to what we say, and sometimes you're like, well, that's not right. And I, then you look it up, you research it, and you send us in the information, and we get and to you, call each other out on the podcast. And you timestamp it to a wacky degree. <laughs> I love it. In this case, Michael Barnes was listening to oh, hi, Michael. an episode just recently, and he heard you say, when talking about the series of novels about Dune... Mm -hmm. that the spice worms pooped something out as well as pooping out this spice melange. Yes, yes. Okay. He says, Herbert notes in Dune that microscopic creatures called sand plankton feed upon traces of melange scattered by sandworms on the arachene sands. The sand mm -hmm. plankton are food for the giant sandworms, but also mm -hmm. grow and burrow to become little makers, the half plant, half animal. Mm-hmm. When water is flooded into the sand trout's excretions, a pre-spiced mass is formed. At this stage of fungusoid wild growth, gases are produced which result in a characteristic blow, exchanging the material from deep underground for the matter on the surface above it. After mm -hmm. exposure to sun and air, this mass becomes melange. Nothing to do with sandworms or arrakis buttholes, as I'm sure Gregoire knows. Oh, okay. I know. Yes, I know about pre-spiced blow. Okay, it's pre-spiced. I'm pretty certain the sand plankton is actually some of them, because they get blown up by the pre-spice blow, and they become the new sandworms, I thought. I thought there was one 
The, well, the, the, why don't the, we go on a little bit of a excellent. deep dive? Yes. Oh, let's let's go. Let's let's let's, let's go to because it'll be coming out on TV very soon, won't it? It's yeah. coming out. That's, oh, we're, we're there. We're there. So, sandworms swim through the sand, spreading trace amounts of spice or melange. Okay. Sand plankton eat the melange mm-hmm. or the spice. The spice melange. The giant worms eat the plankton. Mm-hmm. The plankton metamorphosize to their second form, the little maker or sand trout phase. This creature is a half plant, half animal. Good. So one can assume it can eat either plants or meat, plus it can absorb sunshine. Because yeah, Arrakis doesn't have a lot of anything. Yeah, Sunlight, Except, Well, there aren't many animals left because all the sandworms displaced them. The trout don't absorb sunlight because they live underground. Mm-hmm. Okay. They flock Good. towards water and a biological process occurs between the water and their poop, which creates an explosion. This explosion means the wet poop is exposed to the sun and the air. A reaction occurs, turning it into melange. Mm-hmm. This is the first time any external energy has entered the plankton's sand trout life cycle. The explosion kills most of the sand trout. Mm-hmm. But guess what happens to the remaining sand trout? Sandworms! Sandworms. They yeah. transform into sandworms. They hibernate for nine years and emerge as three-metre-long sandworms. They grow to 400 metres long over the course of a thousand years if they're not eaten first by... Sandworms! Larger sandworms. (laughs) So the sandworms eat the plankton. The plankton eats the spice. The trout eat the plankton and their poop turns into sun-absorbing spice that gets scattered by the worms that eat the plankton. The worms eat the baby worms, the plankton, but not the trout in between. Uh No one eats the trout. Don't eat the trout. The plankton is birthed from a spore released by the sand trout. If a worm dies, it becomes many sand trout. It's like Ooh. an immortal jellyfish regressing oh, okay. to its juvenile state. So it falls apart it and falls becomes apart trout. into many trout. Ooh, now, these trout can't become worms. They can only create more spores and poop. Trout. This life cycle is needlessly complex, Craig. <laughs> it's very, yes. How does this work? And Yeah, mm, good, good. Now... It's at this point I looked up plankton, because I thought plankton was a species of tiny, tiny prawn. It is not. No, 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 no. Plankton is a collection of many, many types of creatures. Some are zooplankton, they eat to get their energy. Some are phytoplankton, they get energy from sunlight. And some are mixotrophs, they do both. It's a half plant, half animal. That's the one that likes big butts and cannot lie. So mix, no, it likes, it likes very small butts. I oh, think. okay, okay. He likes That's mixotroph. You're thinking of Sir Mix a lot. Oh, this sorry, is mixotroph. Sorry. They're like tiny right. butts, and uh, they cannot tell the truth. Ah, uh, there you go. Interesting. Mixotrophs can be zooplankton that absorb that also absorbs sunlight, or they can be phytoplankton that can ingest other matter. They make a mockery of the game animal, mineral, or vegetable. <laughs> Now, the sand trout is a half plant, half animal. So, so we, we, we should go back and say the sand trout is, isn't a real thing. It's like we, phytoplankton and zooplankton are real things, and sand trout and sandworms are not real things. They're a fictional creature. Thank you, yes. That we we're should, discussing at length. Yes, we should probably, On yes. our science podcast. Yes. 
This is the ignorance part of the, the sand trout. How dare you? The sand <laughs> trout is half plant, half animal, and there's no reason to think that its progeny is any different. So there's plenty of energy getting into this system that initially seemed closed. There's plenty of energy getting into the system with all of those sand plankton absorbing the boundless sunlight on Arrakis. Lastly, and quite importantly, the worms eat a big mouthful of sand, like a baleen whale, but grittier. They filter out the plankton for sustenance, but they also take in melange, which the plankton was eating. This spice goes into the sandworm and it does get pooped out of a sandworm. Yay! Not only that, but it's in a more refined state. Oh, so okay. that means, Gregoire, that you do not have to take a walk of shame. Woohoo! Take that, Michael Barnes. <laughs> I am the Quizach Hatteract. Don't stick your hand inside, uh, Greg. I will. I will come to bar you the pain box. The I, I had a fun conversation recently. People at work I was talking to, and they were talking about Dune, how they love Dune, and the, oh, they're all the three women, and they were saying how they love Dune, and they talk about the Bene Gesserit, who are the the, the, the women with the psychic powers and like the the, the, the wise women. And it's really cool because they're like really cool women who uh, you know do all this cool stuff, and they're like you know, kick-ass ladies with mind powers, and they, they they're like the witches. They're, they're promoting it as a, as a very feminist thing. You're like, oh, isn't it great? I went, mm-hmm. yeah, until unfortunately it ha- they have to be controlled by a man who's the Kwisatch Haderach, the man who can see, who has their powers, who can go further than they ever did and uh, and see. What they, when you look in the places, I can go to the places you can't even look. And they all went, shut up. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, fair enough. <laughs> Don't it's it's okay to yeah look it's it's I love June I, I think June's amazing but oh the first three books are amazing then it gets a bit crazy you, you be very careful when you try and read something into it because you're like yeah you must have found one of the rare books written in the 1970s that has slight hints of misogynism but yes yeah that's right so if Greg Evan makes a mistake which uh, this is the only one really that's ever happened but if he makes another one <laughs> I didn't even email, make one. To Dan, and you didn't even make one. This that's true. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't write in about what I just did. Then we caught that. Like Greg's already caught that. He's. I'll walk that later. If Greg makes does make a mistake though, send an email to Dan at smartenough.org. And if Dan makes a mistake about how he likes milk, which is garbage, then send it to Greg at smartenough.org. And if you've ever made breast milk, tell us if you've ever pasteurized it. Don't know why I'm asking that. Actually, I don't know. Take that back. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know. Why would I ask that? Send Greg photos of the boobs that made the milk. No! Oh, God. No. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. Get along to smartenough.org to see our show notes and click on all the links to stuff that we've mentioned. You can press any of the buttons if you want to subscribe or follow us on some sort of social media. Yeah, we, we do that social media stuff. If you'd like to support us, please do share how much you enjoy this show with other yeah. people. Oh, uh, yeah, this especially is... this one. That'll, this will get people angry. Oh, it'll be fun. Even if you're like, yeah, I'll send it to someone to get them angry. That's fine. People That's a love list. finding out about milk. Milk touches <laughs> most of our lives. Ugh. So contact someone who is really big into tea drinking or just likes milk or has lactated and has big positions about that and share this with <laughs> them because it's a really fun thing to learn about. 
It is. Milk is great. If you want to support us financially, you can buy a T-shirt, drop some coins into our tip jar on the website, or you can become a patron. You don't yes. have to. You can choose how much you give us, but yeah. if you give us five bucks or more a month, we'll read your names out on the podcast. Lordy. And we is... do actually, we, yeah, not just that, we, we feel you inside. I move you definitely into the large groups of people camp, not the individual camp. But when you say become... you feel them inside, you put your hand into them and you're scared that there's a scorpion in there that will stab you in the hand? Or... It's heat. It's not, it's not heat. It's it's Because an animal will pull its hand out. A human can keep their hand in there. Ah, right. I will so... The humans that we're, we're going to keep our hand inside are... Big thank you to <laughs> Phil Holland, Grant Roberts, Matthew Toy, Grania Maguire, Michael Barnes, Morton O'Hare, Matt Ewers, Andrew Whitehurst, Lingy, Lingy? Lindsay Jenkinson, Andrew Potts, Britta Rogowski, Avi Greenbury, Gary Heather, Elizabeth Yunkin, Steve E and Alana Mitchell. Thank you guys all so much and thank you to Steve for changing your name back. Can I just say something also for our, our listeners, something from the listeners... The last podcast I did, which was the the check-in for people from around the world after six months, how they're going around the world, which we had a lot of interest in. And thank you very much for that. Also, thank you very much to my listeners or the listeners who got in contact and went, are you okay, Greg? <laughs> Even I did that, listeners. I yes. was like, oh, he's miserable. There's a lot, and a lot of you did, and not even people I know. So, I mean, to people I know, I've, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But to the people I've never met in my life, good Lord, thank you very much. And I'm sorry if I've put the wind up you. I'm fine. I just, yeah, it's, you know, it's fine. But it, I, it was a lot of really kind people who was just like, hey, I've been listening to the podcast for years and never emailed you, but I'm just worried that you're going down a dark place. <laughs> so thank you to all the people uh, who did that. And I'm okay. Uh, I'm sorry if I if I spook you. <laughs> it's Look, the thing the thing with being really into science is that when something like 2020 comes along it can really take the wind out of your sails yeah it can it can yeah it's fine it's it, yeah uh, and yeah and also doing that podcast is really great in the fact it's linked me with the world and it's really bad because it linked me with the world <laughs> <laughs> so, i had such uh, yeah. a high opinion of humanity until i talked to them all one by one no no I don't mean that at all. I mean that that it's it's much harder to ignore people's pain when you've chatted to them for an hour and, and they and you realize they're going through stuff and that's all. So so I appreciate the people who who actually got on the podcast and chatted to me so about their personal lives. It's very kind of them. So there is one more tier of patrons. They're the ones who pay us far too much money so that we will <laughs> abuse so that I will abuse them. So yes. that so you, I have bad to man, abuse man. them. Such a bad man. So I am, instead of abusing them this time, it's a little bit of a treat. I have instead ascribed a famous superhero to each patron. They pay for abuse, Dan. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about this. Well, I don't know how. Too bad. This. Too bad. Oh, That's okay. not what they're getting this time because mm -hmm. Gregoire, welcome to the Hall of Super Friends. <laughs> including Steve Stewart. An illegal immigrant named after a Nazi ideology who disguises himself as another cog in the fake news machine. Or Mitchell Kidder, born into obscene generational wealth. He amuses himself by beating up the poor and mentally ill under the guise of pro bono private investigation work. <laughs> Tom Seary, surveillance vigilante, constantly breaking privacy laws using technology to force confessions. With no due process, pilots a vehicle with no visible safety lights, or indeed, no visible anything. 
We did. Uh, which? Hang on. Which? Which? I, I mean, I'm getting confused now. Which superhero this is? Dustin Fallon, reckless athlete, constantly breaking road rules, occasionally violates causality. <laughs> and finally, Scott Driscoll, known associate of nature's most deadly killers, sea snakes, blue ring doctor pie, and sharks, nature's drug running biker gangs, also uses a trident with five prongs. Maths crime. And of course, a big thank you to Eric Wilson and Al Batson. <laughs> you guys are my wonder twins. Aww, that's lovely. We would like to find out from you guys, how did you find out about Smart Enough Know Better? Jump onto Twitter and go and at us at at SE2KB and yep. tell us, where did you find out about us? Just remember it's at SE2KB, not SETKB. That's confusing sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why we did that, but it's cool. Just two numbers are cool, man. Yeah, it's real eighties hip. It's <laughs> like it's like spelling what W A T. Yeah, but no, 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 don't even go back to the eighties. It's like too fast, too furious. Yep, yep. Oh, like and and that is a multi-billion-dollar franchise now. So don't you tell Ooh, me. Good point. Good point. SE two KB. Yep. But, All right. But yes, let us know. Also, here's a thing that we haven't done in ages. <gasps> But it's, I'm, I'm bringing back the Pay It Forward podcast scheme. Ooh, yes, please. That sounds um, great. Mostly I was just going to tell you about this podcast because mm-hmm. I know that you like podcasts with new stuff in them. But I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll tell you on the podcast. And then everyone can like just God. eavesdrop. You Weirdly. Sure. Greg and I are just, are just trying to have a thing. And you're just going to eavesdrop on us? Fine. There is a podcast <laughs> from the Rooster Teeth Network, which... Mm-hmm is quite a juvenile network. But mm-hmm. there is a really good podcast in there called Black Box Down, and they discuss air disasters that have happened through history, Ooh. and they dissect them and explain what happened and why they happened and what the repercussions of it happening were. And I really enjoy listening to it. The Frog Princess really loves listening to it, and that no. never happens. We have no <laughs> overlap in podcasts at all. She, I think she, she only like, listens to this one through sort of she, some sort of grim sort of feeling of necessity. Does she? Does, does she, is she like murder? Is she a murder podcast? Lady? Oh, she loves a murder podcast. Yeah, yeah, I had to yeah. ban her from bringing up certain subjects at the dinner she's table. A, she's a woman, and she's a French woman. I, I, I mean, murder is their thing. I mean, that's just like, oof. all right. <laughs> As uh, in, there's a racist but, stereotype I'm not familiar with. No, 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 no they like overthrowing states and things. They're, they're, they're violently. That's uh, not murder. That's that's liberty. Oh, sorry. So, no, you're hey, right. I'm hey, sorry. Come on, man. Come on. Sorry. Fraternity. That's, that's judicial process. No, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Please don't. Please don't hurt me, Frog Princess. Oh God. Please don't hurt me. You're lucky you don't have a car to flip. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> And as we always like to say, pus milk! Um, my work colleague, who's the herpetologist, works with snakes, she points out that if she ever wants to get someone sick, what she will do is take snake poo, desiccate it, dry it in a dryer, powder it, and then just sprinkle it in your food. She says, you will get salmonella like that. If, when you handle a snake wash your hands afterwards, they pass on salmonella like no one's business. Like, and she said their poo is just like 90% salmonella. And I was like, oh, my God. And she was like, yeah, so she, when she's working with them, she has to constantly like wash, but like COVID wash all the time. Mm. Uh, and, other, and she says it happens regularly. But she'll just get a bout of salmonella poisoning, even though she's like super, super careful. Ugh. 
she was like, oh, God, I'm sick. And she said she's reached a point now where body's like, eh, salmonella. <laughs> so she, she, it's like, oh, that again? Ah, fine. We, we'll, we'll just poop a lot. It's fine. We're talking about if you're under enemy control or something, you know, some sort of country took us over. And she's like, I, I wouldn't stab anyone to death. I've become a cook. And then salmonella the shit out of them. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> All these guards. She said every week they just end up going, how have we got salmonella again? <laughs> So, yeah. I, I saw a video of a snake pooping, and it was the uh, one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen in my life. Oh, this video came out recently. It's a hell of a noise. It makes a hell of a noise. I, I showed, showed it to Cass, and she was like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's just how they poop. Like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> I was like, is that they a normal? Have, they don't have buttocks to control no. any of the things. It's just like, whoosh. And she's like, yeah, that's just what they do. You can hear them pooping across the house. I'm like, oh, God, no. They're horrible animals. Yeah. And I heard I, a, a, because I'd heard a story before that, and it hadn't really really affected me properly. But I, um, someone had a pet snake that they took to the local pool, and it's swimming in the pool, and that's when it pooped. Oh and no! Was like, oh no! <laughs> Why was it swimming in the? Oh god! It's not a pet. They're not pets. Snakes love swimming. <sighs> okay. <laughs> like any animal, I, they, I'm sure it can. They can, but yeah, I'm just sort of. Oh. Yeah, it's it's my uh, what's it mental health cobra. I have to take it on planes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a question asked the other day on Reddit, which was in the life of Pi, all of those uh, zoo animals went overboard, mm. and obviously the, the the big tigers are good at swimming, and the, the mm. various things that got into the boat did. But there was a hippopotamus on there. Would the hippopotamus mm. have been alright? And someone was like, hippopotamuses don't swim. They're very mm. dense. They walk along the bottom and they jump yeah. up to the top to, to to smell. So they would have been a very deep hippopotamus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really anxious to get that next breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. that's that's really sad. Yeah, they can they can swim. But it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they can, they can cope, they can chase boats. You've seen I've seen videos of them chasing boats. At I thought speed. they were lolloping along the bottom to do that. No, no, they can swim. It just takes a lot of energy. Like, and it just because you're dense doesn't mean you can't swim. It just means you have to put a lot of energy into swimming, Keeping going up. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so they can yeah, they can sprint swim very, very quickly. But then but yeah, but yes, you are right. They do have a habit of going to the bottom and, and wandering. Which is one of those things when you you see that and then you go, Oh, that's how manatees evolved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not they're not the same thing, but you go, How the hell did a manatee of oh that, yeah, okay, hippos, yeah. yeah, of course. So you go, Oh, here's an animal that's kinda like, Yep, I live on land, but I can also do this cool thing. And you go Jump forward ten million years, manatees. Like it's not that it's it's not even vaguely difficult to work out. Like it's yeah, it's funny. Megafauna goes through cycles, of course, and you know they've been a lot bigger in the past. And these things are friggin' ginormous. No wonder they punch through a cycle. Those things are only designed for like a couple of hundred k. Like what? I can ride one, but yeah, you put a megafauna on it, it's going to crush it. What are you talking about? What am I? What are you talking about? He said, "I'm not following a stupid pun." I don't. I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. Sorry. Yeah. I know. I know. You mean, I know you mean bicycle, but what? Why is? What you what said? Megafauna the... goes through cycles. Oh, I see. It's, right. It's just okay. Right through them. Smoosh. Right. Yeah. No. I understand. That's right. like, my my yeah. elephant writes off six or seven a week. Right. He's like, oh. got it. Got it. Hmm. 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 Look, I'm going to put in a notepad, and I'm going to find a better audience for that joke. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Good, <laughs> yeah. The picture has it. Look, basically, someone's taken a rhino and used Photoshop to oh, extend I it. It's covered in feathers. But it's all covered yes. in feathers. It's what you're yeah, well, probably not. It's a mammal, but it's. Uh... I'm sure they find a way. 
<laughs> but it'll definitely have wacky colors and it won't just be a gray animal like it well it might be but it might I, be you know elephants are Elef- and rhinos are and Imagine hippos an are elephant with like stripes or spots yeah i wonder why maybe you just don't need it maybe when you get that big you're like i don't care you, you can see me camo, yeah yeah come at me bro <laughs> Breast milk from Eloise. We really talked about that too. Okay, so yeah, they're, they're all. <laughs> I beg your pardon. We talked breast about milk. what? Breasts. Breast breasts. milk from Eloise. I don't remember. I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> no, no, no. Eloise. Eloise talked about you. Talk about breast milk is what I meant. <laughs> right. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Look, it's just me and home after dark. Yeah, we're watching the Queen's Gambit. I thought it's good. I'm. I'm liking it. I bet she's going to. Damn it, I don't have a chess thing to say. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Get into porn? Yeah. I was going to say Castle the King or something. Uh, don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they do all the jokes they can in the actual show. So oh, do they really? I'll okay. enjoy that. Okay. Yeah. I saw a little bit where it was like two nerds going, Hey, who are you, girl? She's like, Well, I'm going to do a game. I want to play with the best players. Well, you can't until you get to. 9,000 chest power. And they go, oh, girl. And she walks off. I'm like, oh, okay. This, this is the scene that had to happen, but it only yep. happens that one time. Which oh, is nice. good. good. I'm glad. Because that was the scene I was like, I don't want to watch three hours of this bullshit. A lady so, bishop? What? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Do you also go diagonally? <laughs> you know, like, any car chases? What's her superpower? Did you find laser beams from her eyes? Yes. Oh, I learned I'm in. <laughs> and scientifically accurate ones because you can't see them. And they never Ooh. mention them, but they're there. Oh, that's right. People just get like extra sunburn or something. Or... Pretty much. <laughs> All right. It's time to harvest everyone for organs. <laughs> so that's nice. I pulled back from that stage a bit. E. A bit. Just a bit. Just a bit. Don't go crazy. You know, like, I'm still happy to take the organs you don't need. You know, like one of your lungs and one of your kidneys and most of your liver, you know. And do you what with them? Sell it in markets. Sell it for meat for animals, Dan. I don't care anymore. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. All right. All right. I see. I see. It's if, hey, look, if you love your work, you never work a day in your life. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> what, what number are we up to? Oh, bloody hell. 169. It's it's a hundred more than a sexy number. Mm. One of the most surprisingly unpleasant sexual positions there are. <laughs> Sounds sexy than it is. Yeah, sometimes called the reverse human centipede. Yeah, it's the nose full of anus position. One hundred and sixty-nine. I, I, I suddenly is that, went. Is there a Dalmatian involved? <laughs> is that like the lewd act and one person watching, just standing up real straight and watching? Well, lying down next to you, I guess. I oh, I see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Side by side. This is, like, in a three-dimensional space, this analogy yeah. breaks down very quickly. I love the idea that it's just someone quietly reading a book whilst two people 69 each other next to them. Oh, yeah, he's, they're like, definitely pointing away, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, I'm just going to, I'm just, they're on their phone and they're just like getting some, you know, just getting on a book, reading a they're book. Not, they're not. They're lying there trying to sleep and just like that pillow over their oh, head. Oh, that's go, what it is. Yeah, I can't believe yeah, yeah, they're yeah. doing it again. So 
yeah, they're sixty nine each other. This next camping to me. trip was supposed to be just a pleasant time out. I didn't realize they were dating, and now they're sniffing yeah. each other up the, the clacker. It's okay for dogs, but for humans, what's that about? I should say something, but I'm far too polite. Yes. <laughs> but I'll mention it passively aggressively tomorrow. All right, we solved it. Was your evening sojourn nice? But someone says, oh, this place smells like poo. Well, you'd know. <laughs> Welcome to episode 169 of Smart Enough to Know Better. I'm not even, I'm not even going to put a sting between those. It was such know. a beautiful through line. In <laughs> well, the walk of shame, our have... listeners. Wait, hang on. Sorry, walk of shame. No, it doesn't have a. We don't have a. TNT we don't have a thing, but it's got a da 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 da. Oh, I divider in there. Yeah, we're ten and a half years into this, Craig. Do you not know how this goes together? Okay, now it's time for a sketch. I try to stay away from the concept of elite panic. I thought elite panic was what I did, which meant I couldn't even get through the tutorial. God damn it. Explosion. You have failed tutorial again. Yeah. Thank you.